This podcast contains sensitive topics such as murder, violence, and sexual abuse. Happy Friday, everyone. Last time I said happy Monday, even though I don't know when people are listening to it. And I... I'm now saying happy Friday, and I think I'm just going to start off every episode with being like, happy this day you're not listening to this on. Wow, that seems to be the most logical way to start the podcast. I mean, I can't really think of another introduction, you know? I would love to have, like, a snazzy introduction where it's like, hey, 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 <laughs> like, you know, I wish I was clever enough to come up with, like, a a normal introduction, but... All right, all right, all right! You, you go ahead. That was my introduction. Oh. Ugh. I don't know that we really need one because there is an introduction. Right. Like, there's, like, music. We could continue the music. Like, when the music stops, we could be, like, we could start every episode with being, like, do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. You need more music written for this? I can write more music. No! <laughs> I just know, don't know how to start speaking. Whatever it takes for you to never do that again, basically. bum 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 should I beatbox? I feel like you'd be stupidly good at beatboxing for some reason. You know, I've never tried, but now you that could what? be a you new should. hobby. You sh- oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so today we're going to be discussing the evidence in the Jean Benet case. Yeah, and so we're going to try to stick to physical evidence. We do have some circumstantial evidence that we want to talk about. Um, to note the difference, because I had to look this up yesterday... Like, the physical evidence is, like, actual physical things that you can see and touch and take pictures of. Like, the ransom note, for example. Circumstantial evidence are things like DNA, hair fibers, and things like that. Because you can only infer why they are there. I know. I learned that, too. Yeah. DNA is considered circumstantial evidence. But in law and order, they always call it physical evidence. They also call it non-testimonial evidence. Um, It's evidence that relies on inference to connect to a conclusion of fact such as a fingerprint at the crime scene oh i think it's talking about fingerprints not dna for fingerprints as if the fingerprints are found on the body or weapon and then mm-hmm. circumstantial fingerprints are things found on like a doorknob or like on a item close to the body you know what i mean so like okay that makes more sense um computer records would be a direct uh evidence so yeah okay i'm glad we cleared that up because that was a little bit confusing for me so direct evidence or physical evidence um are things that you can like take pictures of see touch any kind of fingerprints that you know are associated with the actual murder so like on the murder weapon on the body things like that circumstantial evidence is anything you can only infer to why it's there um like fingerprints on a doorknob the high-tech boot print that we'll talk about okay um a lot of those things you listed are actually not as concrete as we thought like things like fingerprints um uh trace evidence even there's there's actually a podcast on spotify where they go through all these different they call it's called like junk science and they go through all these different um evidence that we accept now at face value as acceptable in a place of court Mm -hmm. and how a lot of them are just you know almost an art form i was actually really shocked by a lot of this anyway 
Well, yeah, I mean, there's a there's like a lot of um, expert opinions that, you know, certain DNA samples and stuff shouldn't be used in court because they're either not conclusive or doesn't like actually prove the validity like of the testimonies. So I've actually done a lot of the tests that they know that they use for DNA in a lab, like because I've taken so many chemistry, biochem, genetics, and I volunteered in a lab Um and, you know, things like PCR and stuff like that. I mean, I actually am really curious how they're able to match using PCR. Basically, they, like, amplify a section of the DNA and they will, like, cross-compare the markers in the assay. Um, but as you probably know, we have, like, millions of genes. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, and isn't there, like, a problem with, with too, like, um, blood analysis in terms of, like, how they were talking about you know, oh, this person has, like, AB blood or this person has, like, O blood. Didn't Wasn't there something with that that, like, now is being questioned in terms of, like, the justice system? I don't, I actually don't know, but I, I don't think, so there's this thing, like, called the rhesus factor in your blood, which is plus or minus. Like, if you contain the rhesus factor and, so you could be, like, O plus, AB minus, like, so I don't even know if they can test for that. I mean, that that's Weird. another, you know, percentage of each category, so. Hmm. Weird. All right, so shall we get into the evidence? Um, I also want to just say real quickly that we're, we're going to be talking about the evidence on the scene, um, but it's important to know that the interpretation of this evidence is different, you know, for many people. So, like, you know, the detectives on the scene might not agree with, like, other detectives or, you know, because, so all of this is still up for interpretation. So, like, we can spout off the evidence all day, but we just know that it exists. We can't say why or who or what, you know? <sighs> yep, that's what makes this case so interesting. <laughs> All right, so to start, we're gonna start with the ransom note. Should I reread the entire thing and like no, 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 please, no. <laughs> okay, so talking about the physical um, attributes of the ransom note, and for this, we have to do a little bit of a correction corner because it turns out that Patsy's Ramsey's fingerprints were not on the notes. Are you serious? Yeah, I um, yeah, I looked it up and there was. There was, like, no fingerprints from the Ramseys. I don't know how that theory got put. I said that. I know you did. That's why I said that there's I'm a correction I'm pretty sure I read corner. it in Steve Thomas's book. Yeah, I read, the, like, the actual, like, forensic analysis, and the only fingerprints on there were from the two police officers that were handling the note. Although, and again, interpretation of evidence, um, investigators actually think it's really suspicious that there's no other fingerprints on the note, but... Well, that would probably mean... They were wearing gloves. Right. But we'll get more. I'll get more into that in okay. the theory, you know, one. But I did put like a, a little star next to that because it goes with one of the theories. Um, so, yeah, that was just a bit of a, a correction corner. Um, another thing is that uh, authorities did clear John as the author of the note, but could not could not clear Patsy. Um, but retired FBI agent, oh, well, okay, I'll read this first, but retired FBI agent Clint Van Zant has profiled the note writer, and we've said this before, as a well-educated woman between the ages of 29 and 40. 
Obviously, we talked about that. But uh, Loose Mint, and we'll be talking about Loose Mint a lot more going forward, especially when it comes to, like, the theories and everything. Um, but he has a suspect that he really likes, and that's Chris Wolf. And we'll get into Chris Wolf during like the suspects episode. But Chris Wolf also could not be cleared from the handwriting analysis, which I thought was interesting because I never heard that before. So again, while the note is physical evidence, everything I just said about the analysis and everything like that, like that's only something we can infer or discuss. But as terms of like what we have on the scene, one of the things is the ransom note. I always thought Patsy Ramsey's fingerprints were on the note. I just, uh, I want to like reread Stephen Thomas's book and find that section where I. Yeah, do it. He, maybe, mean, he, maybe he didn't say that. And I'm just remembering one of the things I heard somewhere. Right. And that, again, that's something that's hard about this case is you like, you hear one like fact and I say that in quotes and then you hear like the app, op not an opposite fact and like some other source. Um, but from, like, my research last night into, like, the forensic analysis of the notes, it, it said there's no fingerprints from any of the Ramses. So they bent down and looked at the note on the stairs. Right. That's, uh, okay. Yeah, we'll talk about that. I mean, that's going to become, you know, kind of a bigger thing when we talk about the theories and, and stuff like that. It's so fucking weird. Yeah, it's very weird. Um, okay, so the pineapple bowl. So in the last episode, we talked, we finally, you know, discussed the, the pineapple and how um, the fact that she consumed pineapple kind of throws a wrench into the timeline of events. Um, so, and what we talked about with that, for evidence, there was a bowl of pineapple on the kitchen counter. Um, so some sources said that there were milk in the bowl with the pineapple. Yes. Was there? Because, like, Steve Thomas says that it was just pineapple. But I looked at the picture, like, the crime scene picture, and it, like, definitely looks like milk in there, which, gross. <laughs> That's, like, a little, like, cereal made with pineapple. Yeah. But next to it was an empty... Um, Glass that had ice in a tea bag in it, so presumably like iced tea. Um, okay, so the bowl of pineapple is a little bit of circumstantial evidence because we don't really know how it plays out in, into like the murder and the timeline of things. But I do want to discuss um, discuss it because it's going to come back over and over again throughout this case. So um, the actual bowl itself had Burke and Patsy's fingerprints on it. Burke's Oh, and for those who don't know, Burke is Patsy and John's other child. He's the son. He's a few years older than John Bonet. Um, but his fingerprints were on the glass of iced tea, but no fingerprints were on the spoon. So there was a spoon in the bowl, but no fingerprints were on it. It doesn't mean no one touched it, though. Well, yeah. Yeah, of course. And so, like, that's another thing that's, like, a bit frustrating about this case is that when it comes to DNA and fingerprints, like, so many items in this house, like, had just had, like, such a little amount of it that it was, like, almost inconclusive. Um, so, Lou Smith, um, so Lou Smith was an investigator on the case, and we'll talk about him a lot more. He's kind of the, the biggest advocate for the intruder theory, so he's definitely important to talk about, but... 
Um, it, I found this like cute little source about the pineapple and said like the pineapple is loose mitts bugaboo, what? meaning it's like the the biggest thing that's like hard to you know get over. But he so loose mitt claims that in one of the crime scene pictures there was an empty Tupperware container in John Bonet's room, and he suggests that it's possible that. She had a, a tub of pineapple in her room and, like, had, like, eaten it as, like, a midnight snack. Okay, so she was awake at some point before someone broke into the house? I guess. I mean, I've looked up, like, different theories to, like, what the pineapple could mean. And for this one, so last night when I was looking up all of, all of this evidence, I was trying to find, like, sources for it. Because when I'm talking about evidence, I don't want to spew out, like, the wrong information. And so when I saw this claim about the Tupperware, I went through the crime scene pictures and I Googled it. And I, I looked at everything. I could not find a single other source that confirms this. Like, not a, not a single one... I don't know if this Tupperware container ever existed. It could have, and maybe I'm just not finding that source. Another thing is, um, and they cover this in that CBS documentary, that the crime scene, uh, things in the crime scene were moved before the pictures were taken. So I think it's, um, I can't remember the guy's name, but he he points out, this picture has a pillow in it, and then this picture doesn't. Hmm. And that means someone moved the pillow in between oh pictures. Oh my god, I would, I would bet big money that it was one of the victim advocates. You know, that, that might have been. And then he says that that's a problem because that means we're not seeing a crime scene as right. it was it, when a crime was committed. We're seeing a house that people live in and move around in. Yeah, and it's so hard to like research this case from like a scholarly standpoint where i'm sitting here like trying to find sources and everything because because of stuff like that right, right. but the the tupperware thing i am gonna say is probably not true only because like of all the detectives and all the theories on this case not a single other source claimed it like i respect lou smith and his investigation i wish he would have you know extrapolated on that a little bit more like i wish you know, he could have provided, like, where that idea came from. Because it's not in the police notes. It's not in any pictures that I've seen specifically. But it doesn't mean it's not true. I'm just saying that there's no... It seems right now unfounded. Like, I don't see anything about it. Yeah, and I, I know Lou Smith would know a lot more about this case than either of us, obviously. But um, I don't understand the claim that there was a Tupperware in the kids' room full of pineapple because if you've ever eaten pineapple in your entire life, and maybe people in Colorado are just deprived of it because it's so <laughs> cold out there, but in Texas, like you get pineapples like year round, and you chop up a pineapple if you leave it out on the counter in a Tupperware, it's gonna get rancid in a few hours. Right. So like I just right. find it really hard to believe that a child would open a Tupperware that's been there for okay. If she let's say she prepared. And took this up before they left for the whites, minimally. That's like six hours. Right. That it's sitting in a Tupperware getting rancid. You tell me a little kid's going to eat like seven pieces of rancid pineapple? I don't think so. Well, okay. So then going forward, um, attorney Lynn Wood, he's Burke Ramsey and John Ramsey's attorney, which I can't wait to talk more about Lynn Wood because, whoa, 
this dude is interesting but um so in court so burke ramsey sued cbs for a documentary that they put out and i think 2016 and in the defamation suit attorney lynn wood um said that it wasn't just pineapple that was found in her stomach but like remnants of a fruit cocktail so and he was suggesting that like it's possible that the whites had fruit cocktail at their party and didn't think about it because it's not just fresh pineapple again i can't find anywhere that states that there were cherries you and i like went through the autopsy autopsy in the last episode um so that I would be know. really negligent of the medical examiner to leave it out someone who obviously did like a really detailed autopsy yeah i don't so that that's just another claim that i have yet to be able to find um that just sounds like a really complex explanation for the fact that there's literally pineapple sitting on the table right right you well, know like i just don't understand like like, you know, is it possible that the intruder broke in and stamped Burke's fingerprints on it and put it at the bottom of the, you know, in the kitchen? Yeah, of course that's possible. Like, right. does it mean it's likely? No. Um, And that's what makes the bowl of pineapple kind of circumstantial evidence is that, like, so some claim that, you know, that might not be the same pineapple that was found in her stomach. Um, But it shows there was pineapple in their house. Yeah, well, and I know that John Ramsey, or I'm sorry, Patsy Ramsey has said that, like, um, you know, they don't remember ever putting pineapple out or whatever. And, like, one of her theories is that their fingerprints were on it from doing the dishes and, like, putting the bowl away and stuff like that. Yes, that's they... absolutely possible, but not for yeah. necessarily a child. Is he going to reach in the top cabinet and put your bowl away? I don't think so. Right, well, and, you know, they maintain that, like, the Ramseys maintain that the intruder gave her pineapple. Well, I, I remember one um, of the detectives interviewed Nedra, who's the grandmother. She said John Bonet loved pineapple, and if you put a can of pineapple, because apparently they eat cans of pineapple, I didn't even know it was a thing. Um, she said if you put a can of pineapple in front of that kid, she would finish the whole thing. Same, I love pineapple. Yeah, I don't like it because it's got this weird chemical in it. Like, I love pineapple, but I can't eat much of it because it's got this chemical in it that is actually used for meat tenderizing. That's what makes your gums feel all weird. And yeah, ever since I found that out, it's just kind of like once my mouth starts to go a bit raw, I'm like, no. Well, that I remember was asking people, I'm like, yeah. That was a disgusting fact. <laughs> yeah, well, I remember asking people, you know how your mouth gets all raw when you eat pineapple? And they're like, no. No, no, not even a little bit. What? No, not even a little bit. Are you joking? Is it possible that you're allergic to pineapple? <laughs> well, I'm actually like, when I would eat lime popsicles, like made from actual lime, my lips would swell. And I sweat when I eat jalapenos, but like other than that, I have no other weird food sensitivities. I think you might just be allergic to pineapple, but. So the bromelain. Yeah. Um, Wait, so I, I still feel like that's a thing, but anyway, moving on. <laughs> like, it is a thing that your mouth gets raw when you eat pineapple. All right, so anyways, going back to the case here. Um, yeah, the, the bowl of pineapple, among other things, is, like you were saying, I think, like, one of the most puzzling parts of the entire case. Because it completely... It just completely throws a wrench in, like, so many theories. And, like, the pineapple itself, like, the existence of it has spawned, like totally other theories that i'm excited to get into 
when we do the theory episode. Mm -hmm. But as of now, like, it's still considered circumstantial evidence. It's, again, one of those things that is, like, often debated. It could be irrelevant. Okay, so for someone who's, like, into science and everything, how do you feel about this claim about the pineapple? And that is someone said that um, the pineapple wouldn't, like, if she had eaten it before the party, like, the white's party, no. for, like, a snack, it, it wouldn't, it would uh, not be digested yet. No. No? No, so your stomach goes through this process called peristalsis, and you should look it up. It looks really cool. You probably get grossed out, though. But what it does is it basically, your stomach kind of, forms a ring that it's like squeezing itself all the way down and then all the way back up. It's called peristalsis. That's how a lot of pumps work as well. Um, it mixes everything together. That's literally the point of your stomach is to mix everything together. Mm. So that's why, you know, like when your parents, I don't know if this ever happened to you, but my dad used to mix the spaghetti sauce and with the spaghetti and my whole family would go up in flames about it. <laughs> <laughs> and he'd go, it all goes to the same place anyway. Right. Because it does. It all goes to your stomach and it all gets mixed together and then it goes through your digestive tract. Further well, further. and, you know, one of the things I always say to, to that claim is that if that were the case, then the food she ate at the White's party would also still be in her More stomach. More than likely. It's which just not, it your stomach cannot differentiate. Like it doesn't, it's not like there's some little Keebler elves living in your stomach that are like, okay, <laughs> let's put the fruits over here and the proteins over there and. You know, that that's not a thing. It's it like a garbage truck. Like, it just, it's, like, takes the yes, trash like can a, and just everything, like, in it at yeah. once. Yeah. Um, I also just really hate hearing anatomy facts. It just makes me queasy. Okay. I, uh, maybe I this it. wasn't the case for me. I know you did. <laughs> um, okay, so, so next off, we have to talk about the clothing. So, um, when... Patsy and John and, and Burke and, and John Bonet came home from the White's party... Um, Patsy said that she had put John Bonet to sleep and put on, like, take, took off her clothes and put on a t-shirt and some, like, sweatpants or, like, pajama pants or whatever. And when John Bonet's body was found, she was wearing that white collarless shirt with a sequin star and, like, the, the black, like, pajama pants that, you know, Patsy had said that she put her to bed in. However, and I don't really know how I, I feel about this one. This, again, is circumstantial evidence because we don't know if it's related to the murder or not. But in the wine cellar, so just a reminder, the wine cellar is not a room that they, like, hung out in. You know, like, it was so deep into the basement and it was used as a storage room. Uh, they found her pink Barbie nightgown um, balled up on the ground that had blood on it. And the thing that's unusual about this is that John Bonet didn't have any outward like abrasions on her skin that would that were like leaking blood at all. Um, so that's weird thing number one. But another weird thing is in an interview, John Ramsey had stated that they brought her home and he put her to bed and left the room because he figured that Patsy would would put her nightgown on her. I guess this was, like, a favorite nightgown that she, like, often slept in. So I don't really know what to make of this. I don't know if I should even, like, be thinking about it. I don't know if it has any bearing on anything. But what do you think? I think the fact that the nightgown is in the wine cellar is weird. The fact that it has blood on it and she has no abrasions is weird. Um, I remember reading in uh, Steve Thomas's book that he said, why would, 
a killer go up and bring her favorite nightgown downstairs for her. But the fact that it had blood on it kind of makes me think that maybe it was already there. Now, why would it, you know, the, a bloodied nightgown? I, and I don't know how bloody. It doesn't say blood spatter. Blood yeah, it just says like a blood stain. So we, yeah. we can assume that's an isolated like stain, like just one part. Yeah, but like how much? Like, did she cut her finger? Did she, you know, right. you know like what was it? But I anyway, couldn't find pictures of it. Yeah. Um. I mean, why would it, like, why would someone stuff away the sullied nightgown? And it depends. Like, was it a stain by the crutch? Was it a stain on the shoulder? Like, you know. Right. So I don't know. I just I, think I don't know. not enough information on that. Yeah, I'm going to deem that one a little bit inconclusive because, you know, if we try to add that in to everything, it's just going to model the case even more. Well, there's we, one theory that works really well with, and that's like, I know. you know, but yeah. other than that, like, I mean, the blood on it kind of just kills that, though. Like, why is there blood right. on it? Right, and so I can't wait till we do the theory episode. I'm assuming we'll have to do that one in chunks, like a couple of different episodes, because there are so many theories about this. Like... You have, like, normal theories about it, like, police theories about it, but then you also have, like, the idea that Katy Perry is John Benet Ramsey, and it's like, That's yeah, stupid. yeah, it, it gets weird, this whole, yeah. I bet you her PR people started that rumor, allegedly. Hmm. Um, or some, you know, just bad news is better than no news, right? Yeah, so, um... I can't find very much about the Barbie nightgown. When I look it up, like, it is in the police notes and, and stuff like that. But it kind of sounds like no one's paying much attention to it. So I'm going to go ahead and not pay too much attention to it. And we'll just talk about it during the theories portion. Me and my sister both had matching Barbie nightgowns. I think I actually had a, a Barbie nightgown. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think everyone did. It was the night. Everyone had a Yeah, it was like the, the pink shitty sheer material. Okay, so now this is probably what I'm dreading the most is talking about the DNA because of, like, all the evidence in this case, the DNA is, the I think, the most disputed. And there are, when we talk about the, the misinformation that circulates about this case, it usually comes back to, like, the DNA. Um, so I have, like, two and a half pages of notes. Two and a half pages, the same as the ransom note. Um, of notes on the DNA. So, here we go, man. Let's just get into Dive right it. in. Dive right in. All right, so Take we're going to- Knuckle deep. This. You good? Yes. Yeah? Okay. I just want to make sure that you got, like, all out of your system. <laughs> um, okay, so, when we dive into the, the DNA, it's, you know, important, too, that- I don't know. The DNA is, like, so hard for me to discuss because this is where, like, all of the theories, I feel like, come from. Um, oh, I had to sneeze one second. Disgusting. <laughs> um, yeah, so this is where, like, all the theories kind of begin, I feel like. You know what I mean? So, like, the, f the first thing we're going to talk about is the DNA found under her fingernails. Have you heard much about this? Um... I mean, I, I, it sounds familiar. I can't really remember anything about it. I think there was a, they said it might be her DNA. So Lou Smith was like the biggest proponent of the DNA under her fingernails. 
And this quote that he has, which I actually think is kind of like poetic, is I like to think she got a piece of her killer. Um, That's an expression that law enforcement needs. Well, yeah, I know, but I mean, I feel like everyone, you know, kind of feels that way. But okay, so he's the, he's the biggest proponent of the of the DNA under the fingernails, and I have seen that, um, you know, idea float around quite a lot. So here's what I found on it. So again, I'm not a detective. I'm not a medical examiner. I'm not a forensic pathologist. But I I promise I did like heavy research into this because I don't want to spew false information. Um, from what I understand via the autopsy um, is that no DNA was found under the fingernails and the little, like, so they said that, like, no concrete DNA was found under the fingerprint, fingernails. So, like, no, like, blood, no skin cells or whatever. They did say that there was, like, a very, very, very small amount of DNA under the fingernails that was actually linked to the fingernail clippers that the um, medical examiner used. Oh, that's right. They said you're supposed to clip each nail with a freshly cleaned nail clipper. Yeah. Oh! Yeah, and so from... Uh, I, I wrote here that it's, like, not, like, you know, it's not super important that they're from fingernail uh, clippers. The The bigger thing to take from it is that this has been conclusively denied. Like, I looked at every source of manage imaginable, and the medical examiner said no, the forensics analysis said no. The police department said no. So I'm going to go ahead and debunk this <laughs> and say that at least within my research, I cannot find a single claim that it was like any more than like the clippers used to cut her nails, um, which is, you know, touch DNA and, and things like that is like kind of a bigger, big thing in this case. But I'm going to put that theory to rest and say, I'm sorry. There were no, like, definitive DNA markings on her neither. Right, which a lot of times when a victim puts up a fight or, you know, get off me, they're pushing and scratching at them. Especially, freaking Jean Benet had, like, these claws. She hated getting her fingernails cut. She always had really long, dirty, grimy nails. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Did she really? Yeah, they said that, like, she would, she hated getting her fingernails trimmed, so they would grow really long. Yeah, so I guess, like like you were saying, like, defensive markings, like, under the nails weren't there. And if anything, like, anything found under her nails were natural things to be found in, under nails. Um, so I'm actually kind of glad I did so much research into that because that, that theory and that idea kind of always, like, made me feel a little sick. Mostly because of the, the picture that it paints. I don't know. It, like, I don't know. It's, I would love you know, to think that, but I I just have never seen anything remotely definitive about it, and I'm glad that they were able to pretty much discount it. Uh, similarly, we have to talk about the underwear found, or the DNA found in her underwear, which you and I used to talk about a lot. Right, because that's what initially, when, when we initially started talking about this case several months ago, I said, no, she's ruled out because there was DNA found in her underwear. Of course, when you think DNA from a male in a victim's underwear, you think sperm. Right. But there was no sperm. No. There was and no fact, sperm at all. 
There wasn't an, a, it's a sample that's got multiple DNA, right? Yes. So, um, this, the underwear, the DNA on her underwear is what initially cleared the Ramseys of having anything to do with this case. So, the district attorney, Mary Lacey, cleared the Ramseys in 2008 due to this DNA. However, and this is something interesting I read about, is that she cleared them in 2008, even though she was told by the forensic lab that the results were ambiguous and inconclusive. I know how you feel. <laughs> money, money, money. <laughs> money. Right. Um, okay, so looking more into it, investigators on the Ramsey case initially hypothesized that it could be from the manufacturer that they, um, the, the underwear came from. Which everyone, whenever I discuss this part, anyone who like like doesn't know the case very well gets really defensive about that. And they're like, there's no way, there's no way. Well, a study done in 2016 had investigators obtain unopened control samples um, of identical underwear and the exact same manufacturer and uh, found the same amount of human DNA on new and used pairs. So essentially what they did in this investigation is they bought like a bunch of this underwear. It's exact same underwear. They tested new unopened ones. And then they tested ones that have been like worn and washed and worn and washed to like see. And the same amount of DNA is on there. You have so the like, credentials of that study. Yeah, I'll so after this, I will post all of my sources on our Facebook page. Okay, great. Because I was wondering because I mean that's pretty crazy. Another another thing that you know seems interesting is if that was the case and you check the tag on the underwear and it says this was manufactured in Malaysia or Vietnam. Right. Can't you get the profile of the like the ethnic background of the person? Okay, so that I'm glad you asked because when researching this, I saw a bunch of things from the Ramsey lawyers that put out that it was a Caucasian male in their 30s that this like underwear. But not only is that not true, but the DA or the um, DNA study by the Boulder investigators in 2016 actually suggests that there's no single DNA, it's a conglomeration of genetic material. So, like multiple like they can't even pin it down because there's like such little fragments of dna everywhere so that would be like a sample that is very degraded exactly it's like unbelievably ambiguous and inconclusive like they were basically like they basically said you know if it had been from someone um who had murdered her that night or sexually abused her that night it would be a significantly more isolated form of dna whereas this is almost like little bits of several genetic materials isn't it it two samples plus john benet's sample they said at least two um but because the sample's so small they can't isolate it i think that's the word i don't know if that's like a better word um yeah i think that's the right word so are you saying the dna that was used to clear the ramses is unclear and almost irrelevant because it is so degraded 
Yes. And I'm not saying that the Ramses do not deserve to be cleared. What I'm saying from like an objective viewpoint in the fact that like just looking at this case, I don't think anyone should have been cleared from the DNA evidence. Anyone. Because from where I'm sitting, and again, I'm not like a professional or anything, but even the experts that I read about are just flabbergasted that they were um, cleared, especially after the grand jury, which we will talk about in later episodes. And again, I'm not saying that the Ramses don't deserve to be cleared, but they don't deserve to be cleared for this one thing. Um, I don't right. think there was any sufficient evidence to clear clear them. The DNA, DNA is not sufficient evidence to exclude anyone. No one. And they had taken DNA samples from 150 people. And no, I don't think any of those 150 people should be cleared because of this DNA. Well, that's actually what Lou Smith's family has been doing is they take his suspect list, they get him to volunteer their DNA, they test it, then they're cleared. Right. But how can they clear? I mean, that's what I'm saying is that like this specific DNA sample, the one from the underwear at least... I wish I had more information on the DNA because I actually know people who literally study DNA for a living and I, I could totally run this by them, but it just seems like a lot of the times it's just, you know, non-scientists giving these opinionated like findings. Um, if you want, I can sound, I found the forensics analysis of the DNA. Yeah, maybe me send, send that me you. that and I'll see if at least one of my colleagues literally studies DNA. Also, keep a lookout for our Facebook page because I'm going to start posting all of our sources that we've been using for the last few episodes. Um, I found a lot of them, like some of them are, you know, just opinions by Steve Thomas or Surreal Whacked or whatever, but for this for this episode specifically, I like kind of dove into like the case files. I was looking at like pictures, like, and I'll, I'll post all of that because, you know, my objective for this podcast is for people to make up their own mind about it. And I want everyone to have the same tools and resources that I do. Right? Do you have your mind made up about this case? No, God, no. <laughs> I will probably <laughs> never have my mind made up in this case. Um, that's funny that you say that though, because. My my coworker yesterday was was talking to me about it because she and my other coworkers are, are listening to the podcast, and she's like, "So what happened? Like, what do you think happened?" And I just kind of laughed and I was like, "Your guess is as good as mine, man." <laughs> and she's like, "What?" It's <laughs> like I don't. I have no idea. I go between like th even including the intruder theory. Sometimes I'm like, "Well, what if?" I can basically I can say what I don't think happened. I, I have like a pretty definitive theory about like what I think matters and doesn't matter but, but we'll get into the theories of it and and kind of discuss it but I, I would like to stay you know as, as objective as we can be and just look at different things in this case and say is it relevant is it not relevant like these are just our opinions on if it's relevant or not right that's the, the fancy fancy way of saying please don't sue us <laughs> um, please don't sue us no one sue us not a single person please <laughs> we're not pointing the finger at anybody yeah no one, I, I just don't want to be ever sued. I mean, they could people could try to sue me. I have $20 and I have three cats. So, like, pick a cat, any cat, go about your day. Break into my house, feed the cat pineapple, and then euthanize it. <laughs> God. Put, a, put $2 in the fuck-up jar for that one. Ching, ching. What was That's that? That's my, my sound effect for the... For what? <laughs> for the jar. Oh. <laughs> 
That wasn't good. For your cat being euthanized. <laughs> All right, another dollar in the fuck up jar. Okay, so <laughs> obviously we have to talk about the garrots. Um, so this is a nice piece of physical evidence because it's, you know, the murder weapon, um, allegedly. So for those who don't know, and I'm going to, again, I'm, I'll post pictures and stuff so you can see what we're talking about. But well, how would you define a garrot? <laughs> so a garrot is a piece of rope or string with on each end of the string, it's tied to a piece of wood or some something that you can hold onto so that when you're pulling the rope back, you're holding onto the wooden pieces. So it's okay. easier to grip so you don't burn your hands with the, ro the rope. Yeah, so when John Bonet's body was found, she had a garrote around her neck, and it was the wooden piece used in it was a broken paintbrush, and there was vinyl cord wrapped around it. Um, it looks kind of like a sailor's knot, like the cord that's wrapped around it. Um, and here's what we know about the grot. What's up? I was going to say, that's naughty. Another dollar in the fuck-up jar. I like, don't. <laughs> <laughs> we have to come up with a different like sound effect because it just doesn't sound like anything. Okay, how about... That doesn't sound like anything either. Okay, I just won't do any sound effects. Yeah, I don't think sound effects are really your thing. Wow. You're good at a lot of things, but I don't I don't think sound effects is one of them. Wow, that honestly, like, I didn't tell you this, but I was actually auditioning to be a sound effect artist, but I'm actually not going to my audition now, so thanks for destroying my fucking dreams. <laughs> You're the fucking worst, God. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Okay. That's, I'm just going to ignore everything that you just said and did. So, anyways, the fingerprints, uh, there were none. There were none in the grots. Um, big shocker. I wouldn't really expect to find any on a murder weapon that was, like, left there, you know? Why um, not? Did you purposely, like, say the word not so that it would be... <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you have to contribute to this segment? Like, should I, should I just mute you? Or are you just gonna do, like, not puns the whole time? I'm not going to. Anyway, no, but my question is, why do you think that someone would leave a murder weapon without their fingerprints? You know, we'll talk about that a lot more in the in the theory episode. Staging? Um, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, that's the most popular theory about the grot, is that it's staging, um, along with, like, a lot of this evidence, actually. But she has ligature marks on her neck that are consistent with nylon cord. cord. Yeah, but we'll get to it. We'll get to the, the theory one because I have some thoughts about that. <laughs> um, but what they did find on it was fibers identical to the fibers from the jacket Patsy, Patsy Ramsey was wearing on the night of the killing. So, and it was tied into the ligature found on JonBenet's neck. So what they're saying is in the space, the, the microscopic space between the um, vinyl cord and her neck were fibers from Patsy Ramsey's jacket. Right. And they also find fibers on the duct tape. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm not there yet. Okay. Uh, you know what? I don't even think I looked up the, the duct tape now that I think about it. Okay. Well, that um, in Stephen Thomas's book, 
Um, he says that there are the fibers from the red sweater that Patsy Ramsey was wearing, which none of this was actually surrendered to police until a significant time after the murder investigation had begun. It wasn't like, because normally, like, once it's a murder, we say, okay, everyone turn over your clothes. Right. You know, the police station, you know, all that. Yeah. Yeah, I can't believe I didn't look up the duct tape, but anyways... Uh, blood was they, also. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, they didn't find duct tape in their house. Right. Um. Okay, so blood was also found on the garage. The DNA from the cord of the garage was a mixed sample with a major component from John Benet Ramsey and an unidentified minor component. The minor component was not consistent with any member of the Ramsey family, nor with the nor with the unidentified male profile derived from the underwear so what this is talking about is initially with the dna from the underwear they considered it an unidentified male that was back in 2008 and that's when mary lacy exonerated the ramses but now that now we know it was unidentified multiple dna like on the underwear um yes i don't know what to make from that the dna in this case is so small that it's like nearly impossible to, to build a case around. This is the thing that really irritates me is because I always stuck by the fact that some weirdo broke in and completely botched this ransom kidnapping slash like molestation. I don't know. I, because of the DNA and because anytime you watch the news, I remember watching this video, it was ABC, I believe, where she's like, we're talking about the JonBenet Ramsey case in which the parents have been cleared. And let's be clear, they've been cleared. She said, like, cleared, like, five times. And I was like, really? Because now, the more that we know, it seems like no one's been cleared from the DNA. Yeah, I got into, like, a small argument with someone on Facebook. And again, I'm not saying that the Ramsey's had anything to do with this murder at all. Um, but, you know, I, the thing that bothers me about the case is how much misinformation there is. And, like... Someone uh, on, like, a thread on Facebook was like, oh, but the Ramses were cleared because of this, like, you know, new DNA evidence they found. And I was like, well, it's actually touch DNA, and it's actually marked ambiguous and inconclusive. And they are like, well, it doesn't matter if it was marked ambiguous and inconclusive because they were cleared. And I was like, and they're like, and that's all that matters. And I'm like, okay, when you say cleared, it's not that they went to trial and they found them not guilty. They were cleared from a DA who misunderstood the DNA results, allegedly. Or, or right. not, <laughs> right. or not, you know. But another thing is, um, <clears throat> Jean Benet used to sometimes urinate herself during yeah. the day. And uh, I read in Steve Thomas's book, well, I'm sorry I keep citing that one, but that's like a lot of the evidence. Maybe that could be your catchphrase. Seriously, but it's like <laughs> a lot of the stuff I'm citing is coming from that book. So... He said that one of the neighbors told him, yeah, I've, I once Jean Benet peed her pants at our house and um, I gave her my daughter's underwear. I gave her my daughter. I handed her my daughter's underwear and I gave the soiled undergarments back to Patsy. Right. Right. So it's like there could be other reasons that someone else, you know, 
someone else's DNA might be on the undergarments. Well, you know what else is interesting about the underwear? And I and I wasn't going to talk about it because I didn't think it was relevant. But now after that story, I do think it's relevant. So the underwear that John Bonet was wearing was an 11 to 12 or whatever when she wore an 8 to 10. So the underwear was actually very big on her. And police wondered if it was even her underwear that she was wearing. Weird. But the Ramses would know if it was her underwear or not, right? You didn't say like Wednesday. Yeah, but um they had no so when the investigators asked them about the size of the underwear, they were like, I don't know. <laughs> the typical like response, like, I don't know, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> Why do you want to know that? Right, exactly. So yeah, so before we kind of finish up the, the DNA portion of this, I just want like want to make it clear again, we're not experts. We're just saying that the DNA has been deemed inconclusive and the DNA under her fingernails has been deemed, like, not real at all. <laughs> Wonderful. Okay, so the last thing that I have for, you know, the evidence is the partial footprint. So in the Ramsey's home, like, basement, they found a partial footprint that belonged to, like, they're called high-tech boots. Because they say high-tech on the bottom. H-I-T-E-C-K. Yeah. There's no K. It's just high-tech. Sorry, T-E-C. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> so embarrassing. It's okay. Um, yeah, so this is... Why did I think there was a K in there? I don't know. There's no K in technology, so I guess I was thinking H. Oh, okay. I don't know. Oh, okay, there's no ahead. H either, so uh, <laughs> high-tech. Um, so they found, like, a partial footprint in the basement of the Ramsey home. Do you happen to know, like, where exactly this footprint was? Because, like, I couldn't get a definitive, like, room. It wasn't, like, the wine cellar. It was, like, just in the basement somewhere. I thought it was in the wine cellar. No, it was definitely not in the wine cellar. Then who cares? It just says... (laughs) Well, they're saying that it could belong to, like, the intruder. Okay, as opposed to one of the 15 people that were on scene the day before or okay, one of the yeah. 70 people in the home tour the day before that. like Yeah, so I personally don't put any weight into the high-tech boot, and here's why. Um, as Lindsay said, there were a total of 15 people walking around that house December 26th. But aside from that, two days prior on the 23rd, like, so three, well, yeah, three days, but two days prior to the murder, um, they had a what was it like a a Christmas tour or something like that for a the house, house tour? Yeah, rich people yeah. do this. Yeah, they do it in Houston too. Where they're like, oh, come to my house tour, like like MTV Cribs, kind of like MTV Cribs, <laughs> where all these people get to come gawk at your like beautiful interior design and wealth and big house. Yeah, and it's actually, and one of the theories we'll talk about they do. There is a theory to suggest that someone went on this walking tour and hid in the house. Oh, interesting. Um, For days? Yeah. Yeah. They bring snacks? It's called frogging. What? Yeah. It's when someone lives simultaneously with you and you don't know that they're there. What the fuck did you just say? (laughs) Yeah, it's called frogging. You didn't know this? This is... I'm really upset by that. Oh, I'm sorry. So, like, when you're not home, they'll, like, go through your stuff and, like, shower and, like... Yeah. You're like, who and, keeps eating my cupcakes that I get from the bakery every week? There's always none left by the time I get home. Yeah, literally, yeah. 
and so creepy. But like, it's not very common. But like froggers, <laughs> they'll like map out your day like for like a month ahead of time so that they know when you're home and when you're not home so that when they're like living in the house they know like when to come out when not to come out are you sure that's not just elf on a shelf yeah it, yeah it is but for like actually like serial killers and people <laughs> no but i'm saying like why would someone do that would they do it because they don't want to like pay rent it could be for the rush of things the or it thrill. could be to kill you <laughs> to kill yeah, to kill, kidnap. I don't know, man. I just, I feel like that's, like, diabolical. Like, that's not deranged because you're really well thought out. That's, like, diabolical. Look it up sometime because, like, you'll see, like... Oh, no! I'm scared now. <laughs> <laughs> there was one about a girl who, like, someone lived in her dorm with her and she didn't know it. They, like, lived in her closet. Oh, my God! That's so scary! <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, that poor girl. Oh my god, that guy's probably like in her closet staring at her, stealing her snacks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Why what is the where did we go to the <laughs> bathroom? I love how appalled you are right now. I've never thought that this could happen. Okay, for those, um let the record show that Lindsay is clutching her pearls right now. <laughs> Good heavens. So, by the <laughs> let way, the record show she is now fanning herself. <laughs> basically, though, I don't know if you knew this, but a lot of those house tours are for charity. Like, come look at my rich house for a price that will give to the poor people. <laughs> Who can't come But to don't that. touch the beggars. <laughs> don't touch them. Oh, God. Um... Okay, so another thing about the boot, the mysterious boot that... So the boot is something that Lou Schmidt really, like, hangs on to. And it's one of the reasons that um, he believes so heavily into the intruder theory, which we'll cover. Um, but what's ironic about the boot is that Fleet White, our homeboy, had told police that Burke Ramsey had a high-tech boot. But that would be a child-sized boot. Well, but they don't know the size of the boot that was it found just in the says basement. High tech. Yeah, they only have like a partial imprint, so they don't know the size of the boot. Because I looked that up, and I've also like found like a, I stumbled upon, of course, like the Reddit message boards where everybody was like, "What was the size of the boot?" And nobody knows. I guess. Wait, are you saying I have the IQ of a typical redditor? That's impressive. Yeah. Right. Uh, but yeah, I can't find the size of the boot. But uh, Fleet White did say that. Um, Burke Ramsey had a pair of the boots. I I don't really care if he did or not. <laughs> they can't, so they can't find. I mean, they never retrieved any high tech boots from the Ramsey's house. But like, don't the police also use high tech boots? Why is your door opening behind you? Stop it! I'm worried someone's <laughs> living at my house. It was opening, but I think it was one of your cats. Um, I don't oh put God. a lot of what. My cat's, like, looking at the door, and he's blinking at it. So that means he knows it's my cat. Okay. Well, either way, I don't put a lot of um, interest into the high-tech boots because, like you said, there, was, there have been so many people in that house. I also had read, and this is not confirmed, so please don't think that this is just 100% true. I, I could not confirm this. But there was also, allegedly, a, a plumber who had been there recently um, down in the basement, so they think it could have been a plumber. I don't know if there was a plumber, so don't quote me on that one. Um, 
And then also someone on Reddit, and again, I don't put any clout into Reddit, but they they posted love a picture. Reddit. Well, yeah, I love Reddit, but we can't use that as like an academic it's source. It's not a source, no. So they posted like a picture of the Ramses, and allegedly, I don't I don't know because I have no idea what high tech boots look like. Allegedly, Burke is wearing high tech boots in the photo. So I'll post the photo as well, and people can give their opinions on it. But I can't really tell. They kind of look like dress shoes to me. They kind of look like boots. I honestly wouldn't know the difference. <laughs> so, yeah, that's interesting. But basically, like, if someone had written, like, the ransom note in their own blood, you know what I'm saying? Like, that would be some nice definitive in mm, um, yeah. evidence. But it's, like, a boot that we can't identify the size. Well, and um, also, too, like... I mean, writing that that specific ransom note in blood, I feel like you would just bleed out, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So much Seriously. blood. Um, that's all I have in terms of note, notes on it. Um, well, you know, we'll talk further about, like, other evidence and, and stuff like that as we move forward. But Yes, there's more evidence. Like, there's, you know, there's... I guess, would you classify, like, the basement window as circumstantial evidence? I don't know if it would be... Okay, so let me explain what Lindsay means right now. So there was a broken window in the basement um, that has been speculated to be a point of entry for an intruder. However, um, so John broke that window, like, months prior because he locked himself out of the house. Um, I don't know if the window can be considered evidence because it was broken, like, way before the murder. I think it would be considered circumstantial evidence, right? Because it, it's only evidence if you give it meaning. And that's kind of what circumstantial evidence is, is that, like, look, we think that the the intruder could have come through this window. That's circumstantial. Right. And also, John Ramsey admitted openly to breaking that window when he, you know, got locked out or something. Yeah. Um, if it wasn't broken before and it became broken, that would be a big deal. Well, there would um, be, I, I would assume, shards of glass all over right. the floor, which there weren't. Yeah, unless it was broken from the inside. Although Loose Mint does love to, like, why would it be broken from the inside? Because if he came in, because they didn't necessarily, you know, if they'd lock their doors. So if they came in and then escaped through the window, because there is oh, I see. a suitcase that they could have stepped on. I don't buy into the suitcase situation at all because I don't see how a suitcase just chilling in the basement is okay again so for those who don't know um under the broken window was like a stand-up suitcase um and there are a lot of theories attached to the suitcase one of the theories is that the intruder tried to take John Benet out in the suitcase um, another one is that the suitcase can be used to go, like, up and down from the window. Um, I just, I mean, it's possible that someone was frogging before, like, and I guess broke the window as they were leaving. But one, if they broke the win window and left zero behind for that, but then left, like, their murder weapon and the body and everything else in the house. Like, it just seems, like, kind of weird. Because there would still be shards of glass on the outside of a freshly broken window. But, no, it's like, so, Loosemid actually shows that you can fit through that window, you can come in, and you can come out. Well, yeah, I don't doubt that. Um, cool. what about the cobwebs in the window? Okay, so, 
what she's talking about is that like there were cobwebs in the window that were unbroken right to suggest right. that like no one had like gone in or out i i personally i don't know i know that spot uh cobwebs can be like respawn really quickly because when i moved into my house like when we were cleaning it out there were like cobwebs everywhere and then we would get rid of them and then like leave for 24 hours and come back and they would like be new cobwebs <laughs> wow so um, i do know that in the evidence photos that they took of the house there are cobwebs in the window and they're like well you would clearly have debris and cobwebs and everything and it just it kind of depends who you ask so like Lou Smith said oh well what if they took the pictures way after you know right. and then the spider in the freezing Denver you know s fucking snow woke up and respawned oh, its web that's a good point because in the, yeah it's the winter they're less like, active they're well less they also were looking at can the web just like reconnect because spider web is made of like i guess fibrinogen or something it's very fibrous and it likes to connect could it just reconnect i don't know um but one thing i do know is that because we talked about it in the first episode is that like Police did go downstairs and take pictures of the basement and everything. So I feel like whatever pictures they took would like, maybe be time stamped. Yeah. And show I feel like they would be time stamped. Okay. So the other thing is um, loose. So in Stephen Thomas's book, he says there's no debris indicating that someone slid in and then got like snow and leaves and nast all over the floor right. or came out and there was the disturbed, you know, snow area or whatever. Right. But the Ramsey say it snowed after police made it to the scene, covering any disturbances you might see. And Lou Smith says there was debris and evidence of that being disturbed. How would they know? Like, how would Lou Smith know if that there was... Pictures. But then the Ramseys just said that it snowed after, so they're... I don't know. Because, okay, so, like, this is what I'm confused about. Because they said there's no that. footprints. They all say there's no footprints in the snow. Right. But they said it snowed after. Right. But, so then how can Lou Smith say that there were disturbances if it snowed over those disturbances? Like how I just remember that? him saying that in the recent um, documentary that just came out. He said that there was debris or something indicating that someone may have come in or out of the window they, but it can't be both there can't be proof that someone came in and out of the window and also the snow covered all the proof that someone came in or out of the window well i think i think it's different things like the outside is where it snowed and then the inside is where you might find some leaves from the window where someone right. slid in so i think that i mean i'd have to see the pictures of the scene <sighs> I can send you the pictures. I've seen pictures. I don't know. I have never heard of there being any kind of outdoor debris in the basement. I heard it on the, that documentary that it was really hard for me to get access to watch it. Oh, the 2020 one? Yes. I spent like hours trying to get access to that. Yeah, but that's like the only... See, this is the only problem I have with Lou Smith. And like, of course, I respect him as an investigator. And I'm always curious to what he has to say about it. My problem with Lou Smith is he keeps saying these things, but I don't see them anywhere. You know, Steve Thomas, he, he puts citations on everything that he says. He gives you, like, the exact where the where to find it in the police notes. There's, like, pictures. Um, Surreal Weck does the same thing. He'll be, like, in the case notes on, like, page four of this, like, under Steve Thomas's notes right here. But then Lou Smith will be, like, oh, there was debris on the inside, but we couldn't find any outside because of the fresh snow. But there was still some disturbance that happened before the snow that we haven't seen, but we know it's there. And... 
take my word for it. Like, where's the proof, dude? <laughs> and I know I sound like I'm getting like upset, but I'm not. I just like get frustrated because when you're trying to research this case and you're trying to do a podcast and you're trying to present clear facts, indisputable facts. Um, it's hard with this it's case. It's impossible when it comes Versus to Versus like this, if you look at the Shanann Watts case, like since you can even see the body cam footage. I mean, it's crazy. You well, know? and I keep trying to verify everything Lou Smith says, and I can never find any of it. And I don't know if that's like, you know, the Boulder police versus Lou Smith kind of situation, or if it like literally doesn't exist and we're just peddling this now. They liked Lou Smith until he started doing his own independent investigation with the DA. Right, right. And they still they still said, like, even by the end of Steve Thompson's book, he says, I respect Lou Smith as an investigator. He's got a very impressive background and he had like a 90% case close rate or something and um he said you know I just think he's completely wrong about this and I don't know I mean I feel bad for Steve Thomas because I feel like you know like for example the DA wouldn't let them get the Ramsey's credit card records they wouldn't let them get the phone records right that we want to and see all, someone... all the things that could be evidence that we're talking about right now right you know, and then the fact that, like, someone came to the Ramsey house and was removing, like, tons of stuff during this, or was it right after or right before the search? Right. They had a police officer come and they gave her this whole list of stuff to take out. Well, and, and yeah, we'll get, we'll get, oh, God, that's just such, I'm getting so fresh. <laughs> Must be nice to be wealthy. I'm telling you, man, the... You know, I mean, you see it all the time. The wealthy people aren't sitting in jail for, you know, 10 ounces of weed. Right. You know. Right. So. Yeah. I And I feel like, you know, when it comes to, like, Lou Smith's theory specifically, I kind of think he, like, paints this picture of, like, the Boulder Police Department were just, like, hiding things. And, like, that's why you never hear about it. And it's like, well... <laughs> The, the, don't get me wrong, the police department, like, fucked up this case greatly, and, like, then, I mean, the crime scene specifically, and then after, couldn't get the DA to work with them, but as far as it goes, like, no, they didn't just hide this evidence because it didn't exist, like, I've looked at the police records, I've looked at the photos, none of the stuff that Lou Smith is ever relevant in any of it. So the DA was working with them when Stephen Thomas resigned because they stopped looking into the Ramseys so much. That was the whole point, right, was stop right. looking into the Ramseys. And then in Stephen Thomas's book, he says that the um, DA couldn't even say, like, he was 100% sure that the Ramseys didn't do it. He says, I go back and forth. And he's like, we've been investigating this for over a year, and you're still going back and forth. Right. And then that's when they finally end up doing a grand jury. I mean, there's, if, I really recommend reading his book. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Maybe I'll post, like, an Amazon link to it. Like yeah, it's amazing. Facebook. Yeah. And it explains, because I always wondered, how are they not able to figure this out? It's like everything they did was literally just completely obstructed. Like, they couldn't get, they wanted to prove that the Ramses had bought the duct tape. Right. They couldn't go through their um, credit card records, so they would have to go to, like, neighboring stores and, like, dig through their old receipts. Yeah, and, and they, but they did find, and maybe I should have put this in the evidence, although it's, it's extremely circumstantial, um... They did find a hardware store near the house where there was a receipt from Patsy Ramsey like a month prior to the murder buying vinyl cord. And don't get me wrong, I am definitely not saying that she 
bought vinyl cord to kill her daughter. Like, I'm sure she just needed it for a project. But we do know that the vinyl cord that was wrapped around John Benet's neck, along with the paintbrush, did come from the Ramsey house. Although they also, like, never found the other end of the paintbrush. But that's neither here or there. That's so weird. Yeah. But they do know that the, the vinyl cord and that paintbrush are both things that... Um, were in the Ramsey house, so they were able to prove that she bought it, but it also doesn't prove anything else. Like, they right. already knew they owned it, they just... Yes, but they wanted to look for other things, too, and they just, I mean, they were just completely obstructed, like, all yeah. of the time. It was horrible. I mean, that's why I've always wondered, like, you know, people like to point fingers at the police officers in this case, but I feel like, you know, you're pointing in the wrong direction. Point up. Right, and you, like, I... I want to cover an entire episode about the politics between the police department and the DA because, you know, when we talked in the first episode about, like, the crime scene and how it was insecure, those aren't the, you know, those were, like, first responding police officers who, who didn't know much about how to investigate a murder. What we're going to be talking about is, like, the actual detectives and investigators because they get lumped together, like, because people were upset at how the crime scene was handled. They just assumed the entire investigation was but, incompetent, but that's yeah. not true. You know? Um, it was what happened after the crime scene with these de very, very intelligent detectives and forensic Experience. pathologists and yeah. forensic analyst labs. Like, they, they didn't stay incompetent, but the case turned very, very political in, like, an insanely short amount of time right and also the fact that you know a bad crime scene that sucks but it might have been salvageable if the um the investigation went well and it right. you know i mean it's just i mean it's really depressing like i would listen to his book and it's just like it's very disturbing some of the stuff that is said i like i literally had to stop reading it for like a week because i was getting like so mad like literally so i like listened to it when i was driving and i don't remember what part specifically like was the end for me but i was like i need to put this down for at least a week because like i'm getting like so upset you hate to read stories about like justice not working or not going well you know what i mean like what's the word i'm looking for corruption yes yeah um you just hate to hear about it because it's like what if that had been, been me or someone I loved and, like, instead of, you know, actively solving the case, all of these politics got involved so quickly that it went on kind of a standstill for such a long time. It's, like, that's heartbreaking. Like, and you have to think, like, the Ramses were victims of that, too. Like, there was, like, just... Uh, so much fighting going on between the DA and the police department, the Ramseys and the police department, the media and the Ramseys. And it's like, was all of this beneficial? Because, like, the the case needs to be solved. And the media choosing sides immediately and the police department being censored and the Ramseys. Everything's leaked. Everything leaked. Like, you can't do your job at that point. And then the Ramseys making all of these, like, media um appearances but not talking to the police and the da who's like not letting the police like talk to them it's like the whole thing is just wild and we'll get into the politics of that for sure 
Yeah, I think also the negotiations for interviews are just completely ludicrous. Like some of the requests they were making, it was just unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think we should cut it off here, but next time I think we should talk about the suspects, like the key suspects of the case. Um, so I think we should talk about the suspects. And while we're kind of talking about the misinformation in the case, I need this to be like well known right now. The police had other suspects outside of the Ramseys. Um, another thing that that's pushed often is that the I think the quote I read was that the police had tunnel vision and could only um, suspect the Ramseys. But a little statistic for you is they interviewed, like, formally interviewed 600 people and took DNA samples from 140 potential suspects. So there was pages upon pages of suspects that they investigated thoroughly. And I just kind of want to give them some credit in that because... You know, people love to say that they only focused on the the Ramses. The media only focused on the Ramses, and the media and the police department are two separate entities. <laughs> yeah, two uncooperative separate entities. Exactly. So, because I hear that all the time, people will be like, "Well, I saw I like too. on the news, like they just focus only on the Ramses," and I'm like, "Well, the media does, but the media is not trying to solve the case. The media is trying to sell newspapers." So exactly, and. It's way more profitable for them to to say that the police they the police didn't like sit around being like all right well we only care about talking to the Ramses like no it's it's, it's that they interviewed I think like seventy people before they even got a chance to interview the Ramses yeah they, it took four months before the, the Ramses were able to accept um, the back and forth negotiations there was even a point where their uh, priest was going back and forth trying to help and then he just gave up he's like they just won't do it i'm sorry like i well i, I don't understand and that's i mean that me and you have talked about that that's such a privileged thing that's like the most privileged thing i've ever heard of because like uh, if like if this exact case happened to a poor person do you think that they would be like well we can't interview them because they're grieving no and again not saying the ramses had anything to do with it but they they didn't cooperate with police and that's going to become like more and more evident Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, is that's one thing that always bothers me is, you know, if they're innocent, why are they acting like that? And I, I have right. talked to, you know, I remember um, someone told me I would have done the exact same thing. And apparently, like wealthy people, a lot of times they just lawyer up no matter what, because it's just not worth getting tangled. It's not worth your words getting twist. Like you, if you can afford someone to properly defend you, you should do it immediately. Right. So, I mean, I understand like partially why they lawyered up but at the same time you'd think like you would want to cooperate within your realm of what you think is appropriate to solve your child's murder right and you know like in the book by surreal wecht that i read who killed john benet um he, they talk about how you know these formal interviews of family members is is the first step because you have to look close to home first, and you want to clear them as quickly as you can, so that you can focus all of your energy. Like, because statistically, it's like, you know, the people people who have known the child and were close with the child. Like statistically, that's yeah, most likely. Just, and that's just murders in general. Like right. you usually know someone when to in order to murder them, you don't just like walk to a random city. And find a random person like that's very rare. 
Like that's and not yeah, it happens people. in serial killings, but like in isolated killings like this, it usually is someone you know. So he talks about how like you know the police are like, okay, like let's go with like the people who know it first. Like, so obviously first like the Ramses and Burke, and then like the the bigger side of the family, and then close friends. But then, um, the Ramses were so offended by that, and it's like. Well, it's not How dare you. It's We're not to wealthy. make you exactly. It's not necessarily to make you a suspect. It's to clear you as quickly as you can, so that like you can keep moving on to the next stages of the investigation. Um, so next week we will talk about the suspects. We're going to talk about suspects outside of the Ramsey home, um, so that everyone can get an understanding of what was happening outside of the home as well. Um, thank you everyone for listening. It's been really exciting to be, you know, actually published now because even if nothing comes from it, at least we could say we had a podcast, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it is kind of fun to like hear people's, you know, theories now and like our friends and family are listening. Um, so, you know, what's so really funny to it. me is that we've talked more about this case off of the podcast. Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah. That's like so funny to me. Yeah. It's like, this is just, a snippet of like our typical conversations right i mean there was a time there was a period where we were talking like every single day about the case um, like specifically about the case yeah um also something i'm like lows bitter about is that my friend taylor from work quoted like your like sayings and not mine oh because he was talking about one of the episodes and he was like laughing he's like should we read the note in unison <laughs> and he just thought that that was like the funniest joke he's What's ever his heard name, taylor yeah shout out to taylor thanks for uh being a fan i'm <laughs> officially a fan of yours okay well my other co-worker lee is definitely a bigger fan of me than you so shout out to lee i'm officially your biggest fan what <laughs> um yeah so that that kind of annoyed me because i think i have funnier moments but i think you're just... a funnier person but i think i'm just bizarre oh my god did i just get you to admit like on a recording of a published podcast that I am the f I am funnier than you. Well, I'm 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 like a different kind of funny. Like I'm like a is she like all there or is she seriously joking? Like I don't know. So or you're yeah. So you're you're the kind of funny where people have no idea if you're being funny or not. Yes. <laughs> yes. Let's read the note in unison. Backs me up. <laughs> Well, then your um, reference was really funny after that. The um, the shining, from the shining. Yeah. That's what I thought that was the shining moment of that joke. But apparently, really? he just really liked what you said. I don't. Well, I think you're maybe funny in the context of I'm already funny. Uh, yeah, I don't think that's mm, was a context. I don't anyway, know that. I'm really excited that we have a published podcast now, and it is officially up on Apple, Spotify, and Google. Um, I've been getting a couple of messages here and there about it. Um, yeah, it's just, it's kind of, it's just fun. I just really enjoy mm -hmm. it. And it, yeah. And the message to our uh, listeners, if you feel like we said something wrong, please co correct us politely. Um, <laughs> death threats are not fun to get. I know they're fun to give, but they're not fun to get. <laughs> okay. So yeah, we haven't had any death threats yet, luckily. But yeah, we that is true though. Like if we, you know, mess up something or, or get something wrong, it happens. We're human. It's because Just, like, we're stupid. <laughs> hey, stupid. Patsy Ramsey's <laughs> fingerprints were not on the note. 
<laughs> you think you're an expert? You think you know more than me? You think you're better than me? <laughs> <laughs> I'll be so annoyed if people start quoting that now. They won't. Um, all right, so we'll do the suspects next, le- uh, next week and go ahead and sing us off, Lindsay, if you can. You seem real, like, down today. Goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. That was the same one you did for the first episode. No, I did a different one that you posted. I did. Right. So that was different. I did post it. Okay. You posted the second one. Oh. Which was not as good. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. All right. Um, so goodbye, everyone. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you to our fans. <laughs>